0: I have always been fascinated by Yellowstone National Park. The sprawling wilderness dotted with hot springs and geysers is like nowhere else on earth. It's a place of natural beauty and wonder, but also a place of secrets and darkness. I was a park ranger in Yellowstone tasked with ensuring the safety of all who entered its boundaries. One day, I received a report of a missing camper. His friends had gone searching for him, but to no avail. It was my job to pick up the search and bring him back safely. As I ventured into the dense forests of the park, a sense of unease washed over me. The trees seemed to close in on me, blacking out the sunlight. I had a feeling that something was watching me, waiting for the right moment to strike. I pushed on, following the trail left by the missing camper. The deeper I went, the more disturbing the signs became. Broken branches, shredded clothing, and pools of blood dotted the path. And then I found him. The missing camper was lying on the ground, his body torn apart by some unknown beast. The sight was enough to make me nauseous, but I knew I had to investigate further. That's when I heard it. The sound of footsteps, not human, but something else. Something big and dangerous. I turned around, my hand reaching for my weapon, but it was too late. The creature attacked, its jaws snapping at my flesh. I don't remember much after that. When I woke up, I was in an old cabin deep in the woods. I was being tended to by a woman who claimed to be a member of a secret religious order tasked with protecting the world from the supernatural. She told me that the creature that had attacked me was a werewolf, one of the many things that the government wanted to keep secret. The Secret Service was aware of the supernatural creatures roaming the park and had assigned her to protect the public from the truth. But as the days passed, I realized that the woman was not who she claimed to be. She was working for the very creatures she was supposed to be stopping, and her true intention was to use me as bait to draw more people into their grasp. I was horrified and scared, but I knew I had to escape. I made a break for it in the dead of night, but the werewolf was hot on my heels. I ran as fast as I could, but the creature caught up to me, its claws tearing into my flesh. I don't know how I managed to survive, but I did. I stumbled out of the woods, my body battered and broken. I was taken to the hospital, but I never fully recovered. I was forever scarred, both physically and mentally by my experience in Yellowstone National Park. The Secret Service tried to cover up what had happened to me, but the truth leaked out. People began to whisper about the werewolves in the park and the government was forced to admit to their existence. But for me, the truth came too late. I was forever changed by my encounter with the supernatural, and I could never shake the feeling that I was being watched. The end of my story is tragic, but the terror of what happened in Yellowstone National Park still lives on. So I live in the rurals of Indiana, US. It's pretty stereotypical. A gravel road surrounded by cornfields, all that. It gets pretty spooky at times. Cornfields are creepy at night, and it always sounds like something is running through them. Dark, twisting shadows from trees in our yard. Occasionally weird animal calls. Yada, yada, yada. One time I forgot to feed the outside dogs during the afternoon, so I had to go out back and feed them even though it was dark out. When I turned around, I swear I saw a figure lumber over the peak of the roof behind the chimney like it was hiding from me. It terrified me and I sprinted back inside, which actually felt more scary considering I was running the direction of the thing I just thought I saw. But the real story comes from a few weeks before, and why that fleeting thought scared me so bad. So bit of backstory, my dog can best be described as a pump. He's a miniature schnauzer, but he thinks he's big and scary. He is fearless to a pretty stupid degree. We had a pack of coyotes walk through our empty field, and I had to sprint and tackle him to stop him from confronting the entire pack, growling and barking the whole way. Same story when he escaped the fence and went for a nearby neighbor's two angry boxers. So animals don't scare my stupid dog. And as I mentioned, he had gotten in the habit of escaping his fence. So one night, it's like 3 a.m., and he wakes me up and is whining and groaning and clearly has to go outside. Well, he had been escaping, and I hadn't fixed the fence, so I hooked a leash on him and went outside. The motion light came on, and I could see it's insanely foggy. The fog was so thick I could barely see the car in the drive, maybe 30 feet from where I was standing. So I was a little unsettled, but I take him out, and he does his business, and he starts sniffing around. And he kind of was whining like he was smelling something weird, and he started circling and being agitated. Well, I thought I'd walk him through the yard to calm him down so I could go back to sleep. Well, like I said, he has never been scared of another animal, and his response to seeing anything is run up to it, barking. But he stopped and focused hard, and his breathing started going really fast. But he was standing close by me, not pulling on the leash. I followed his gaze and I saw this dark figure, bigger than a person, lumbering across the yard. It almost looked like a large person hunched over. Maybe on four legs. Maybe not bear-sized, but I've never ever seen a bear anywhere near here. Cornfields and towns between two cities is where I live. No bears. The fact that he was clearly scared and didn't want to engage this thing mixed with I couldn't tell what it was at all. I ran back inside and he very happily followed and he sat down once inside and just looked up at me whining like he was scared. Single most terrifying experience of my life. This was a cold and cloudy winter evening and I had just woke up from a nice little power nap. I was tired as usual after every power nap so I slowly got up and went to the kitchen to get something to eat. I got some food, heated it up and went to go sit down and watch some YouTube. I sat down and found a video of urban legends on my home page. I was interested, so I clicked on it and watched it. It showed the usual goat man and moth man, but one urban legend caught my eye. A German legend called the orange eyes. I was intrigued and watched it. The video creator said that it was a Bigfoot type creature. It was tall and had glowing orange eyes. But what I was really surprised about was it was an urban legend from my state. So after I heard that information, I searched up where it's supposedly at and found that it was only a 15 minute drive from me. So like any other adventurous human, I hit up my friend and asked if he wanted to come with me and go look for it. He told me that he doesn't believe in that stuff. And it was a waste of time, but I begged him. And finally, after a couple of minutes, he agreed. I was really excited. I got dressed and packed some flashlights because it was almost nine. After I was done packing up supplies, I got in my car and had to pick my friend up, When I got there, he didn't look too excited and said that he was tired. He got in the car and we were on our way. I told him the details and what the thing looked like and he said that there's no way that thing is real. I told him that it will be fun and that there's probably nothing out there. We got to the road that would take up straight to the area we could get out at to be closer to the forest entrance. While driving down the road, I couldn't help shake the feeling of being watched, but I tried to not notice the feeling and kept heading down to the entrance. We got to the entrance and I handed my buddy a flashlight because it was pitch black outside. I told him if he was ready and he said that he was good. So we start the nightmarish journey into the forest of the orange eyes. We walked for a good hour or so with nothing really happening. My buddy said that he was tired and wanted to go back home. But I told him, let's stay for two more hours. He agreed and we continued walking. I couldn't shake off the feeling again of being watched. I told my friend if he felt the same way and he said, yeah. Ever since we turned onto the road that headed down here, I felt like I was being watched. We both were on edge now as we continued forward. Not too long after the feeling of being watched, we hear to our right something being snapped, like if someone or something stepped on a branch. We both jumped at the sound of it and pointed our flashlights over in the direction of the noise. But to our relief, it was just a little deer. We joked around with each other about who jumped more at the sound. We did this for a minute or two. We were in the middle of having a little argument when we heard heavy breathing coming from my left. We stopped arguing and listened closely to see if it was what we heard. We heard the heavy breathing like we thought we did. I didn't want to shine my light over there, so I tried to see if I could see anything. Thinking back to it, I wish I didn't look because what I saw would haunt me for the rest of my life. What I saw standing there behind a tree was 10 foot creature standing there with one of its eyes peering around the tree. And what shook me down to the core was that its eyes were orangish-red color. At this point, I wanted to pass out from fear, but I stopped that from happening. I looked at my buddy and I could tell that he saw it too. I told him that we need to get out of here now before it's too late. We both agreed that we would take off at a dead sprint back to the car. I told him on three, we will go. I started to count, but I couldn't even get to two when felt a warm breath hit the back of my neck. At that point, I screamed run. We kicked it into sixth gear and ran as fast as we could. As we were running, I heard the tree moving and felt the ground shaking. My lungs were burning from the thin cold air. We ran for what felt like hours until we saw the car. I reached into my pocket for my car key and with one swift movement unlocked the car, opened the door, and turned the car on. I put the car in reverse so fast I felt like I could have been a stuntman for a racing movie. I hit the gas, flung the car around like a action movie. I put the car in drive and floored it down the road, never looking back once. Once we felt like we were a good distance away to ease up a bit, I asked my buddy if he was okay, and he said he was fine. All I did on the drive home was think about how close the creature was to me for me to feel its breath. I dropped my buddy off and told him to be safe and take care. When I got home, I took everything off, took a shower, and went to bed. The next morning was good. I felt like the day before was just a bad dream, but I realized really soon that it was real because the backpack that I had used to carry my stuff had a big slash in it, probably from the thing or a tree branch. From when we were running away, I called my friend to check if he was alright and continued my day after. By now, I've kind of gotten over it and my friend doesn't think of it anymore. From that experience, I don't want to go to a forest to hike or camp anymore. I hope you take something from this and learn to not be stupid like me and go out to a forest at night. This actually happened. I'm serious. The only reason why I even tell people is because my friend saw it with me and we still talk about it to this day. B 16 or 17 friend came by to tutor me in calculus about 10 p.m. at night. I let my friend drive my car to his house. He lived out in the outskirts of town where there's nothing but orchards of almonds. Passed by a cattle ranch with lots of lights. Silence in the car. I'm on shotgun and I see a bull running on its two legs like a human. Bull turns its head towards us. Red glowing eyes bull looks like it's getting ready to spin around but then evaporate. Look towards my friend and ask him, did you see that? My friend replies, did it look like a bull running on two legs with red glowing eyes and then it disappeared? Yes, I saw that. WTF that was about 10 years ago my co-worker came in his day off just to tell me that his friend saw the exact same thing six years after the incident 100 percent true story my wife and i were traveling to the smoky mountains from ohio on an anniversary getaway we usually avoid highways in our travels and instead prefer the scenic and slower paced state routes of my childhood This trip stood out as quite a disaster as we struggled with both the GPS and paper maps while navigating a route I was at least somewhat familiar with. Navigational errors are not our norm, and we quickly found ourselves having an uncharacteristic argument that got fairly heated but was nonsensical. It was like we spoke different languages and were looking at different maps. We eventually found ourselves in increasingly less populated areas and poorer road conditions. For those not familiar with the area, being in central Kentucky, the forest is hilly and expansive, dotted with small towns and the occasional privately owned farm amidst all the federal land. We had eventually quieted down, anxiously following the GPS as it cut in and out. Our anxiety grew until the GPS suddenly chimed in with turn left. Now, I responded by reluctantly starting the turn when my wife suggested it must be a shortcut we were unaware of. Upon completing the turn, I slowed, seeing the road took a sudden drop in quality. Potholes large enough to get a tire stuck in, overgrown scrub growth on the edges, and ominous gnarled vines hanging down. The hair stood up on my neck as it still does right now as I ride it. Bringing the car to a stop, I asked my wife, are you sure about this? As I looked towards her, no, we need to turn around she starts to say, but is cut off, almost frozen staring at her phone. Not in the way a person freezes when terror sends their muscles trembling, but completely motionless. I instinctively slam it in reverse back and into the position we came so that I could continue the course we were on. As we reached the end of our reverse turn, I slammed it in the drive but went nowhere as the rear of the early 2000s Lincoln is lifted off the ground. Before I can process what is happening, something charged from the woods to our right. At first, it was a large red blob that moved with a speed and grace that seemed unnatural to its grotesque nature. As it closed the gap, it was clear that it was running on all fours, but only partly so. Its forward movement agile, but uneven, as it irregularly used its arms with its oddly bent hind legs. It was almost like its limbs were growing as it eventually came to stand on its hind legs and place its hands on the glass. Up close, I could see what I thought was for seemed more like strands of rotten flesh that grew as thick as a shaggy dog and smelled overwhelmingly of rotten fish and malt. Its hands looked nearly human, were it not for the rotten fur and long claws. The face sticks with me as much as the smell, being somewhat shaped like a human that has its face twisted and pulled forward in vague canine shape with large, pointed ears toward the top of its head. Inside, its snarling mouth were long, Narrow teeth that looked almost too large to close. But the eyes were the worst part. Bloodshot and yellow. They leered at my wife with a hunger. The kind of hunger that promises unspeakable things. When you are in a flight or fight situation, you usually get that distinct moment of clarity where you make your choice even if it's one you are ashamed of. In that moment, I felt like a small dog defending my mate from a rabid wolf. I stomped the gas pedal and bellowed hard go now and a series of loud noises that sounded more like barks than human noises it jolted suddenly and the rear of the car drops leading to a loud peel out it kept pace with us scratching at the car and banging on it until we broke 45 miles per hour driving wildly through the winding country until we saw the lights of a town in the distance we parked in a well-lit parking lot in the center of town next to a gas station we busied ourselves as we inspected the car reluctantly sharing what we thought we saw. She was in tears and sobbing about feeling a pressure in her head and that she was conscious but paralyzed. Looking under the trunk, I spotted a cracked strut and a lump of the roten flesh dangling from a frame member. The smell was still overpowering and sent us into a tear-filled hug as we stared at a piece of the filthy creature and realized it was likely at least two of them, the one in the window and the one that lifted the rear axle of the ground. Thoroughly shaken, we sat in the car facing opposite directions and discreetly unpacked our handguns and hid them under our blankets. We waited until 9 or so before setting back off towards our destination via highway. I'm a 32-year-old lady from the very northern tip of West Virginia. Most of my life has been lived in Hancock County. When I was little, we camped in tents, walked everywhere, hiked at parks. All that outside goodness. In my teens, we started going to state parks to ride horses. I've been to Tomlinson Run, Beaver Creek State Park, Salt Fork, Raccoon Creek, and Vista Park. I think that was the name. We had a friend who was constantly inviting us to ride on people's land she had received permission from. I'm well acquainted with the local wildlife. I've seen all the major players, including coy dogs and bears, and can identify most sounds in the forest. I love watching nature documentaries. I was looking to become a vet, so I studied a lot on animals. Drawing and painting them got me very acquainted with animal anatomy. Was I ever into cryptozoology? Yes, I was a dino crazy little girl. My one babysitter had readers digest mysteries of the unexplained. The thought of a plesiosaur in Scotland or an apatosaurus in the Congo was just mind-blowing. Later in life, I started looking at it like folklore. It was interesting to read the accounts and learn the theories behind what people were seeing, but I believed in them as much as a folklorist believes in dragons and trolls. I didn't have any interest in Bigfoot, and I'd never heard of dogmen. I never had interest in looking, nor did the thoughts ever cross my mind. It seems I didn't need to go looking. They found me. We moved to the farm when I was about 10. Mom's dream was to have horses, and she was finally able to live it. The farmhouse was haunted, mainly by the former residents of the house. I never felt threatened by them though. It's a little unnerving to have two men talking and moving the couch you're sitting on. Or should I say, it sounded like it. No one was home. No media was on. And yet, I was hearing two men talking about how they were going to move the couch and where and the sound of furniture being dragged right from under me. The land itself had its share of strangeness. Most things were benign though. We just shrugged and carried on. I honestly hated our woods. Anywhere else, I'd freely hike, but even in the yard, sometimes I felt watched. Heck, sometimes I thought something was staring in our windows. Now that I think of it, we did have things slam into our trailer. I'd think it was a horse that had gotten loose, but when I'd go out, to investigate, I'd find nothing. I'd chalk it up to a deer. I used my horses' breeds for their names rather than think up names for them. Anyone who knows me knew my horses' names. I was 18 to 19 in this encounter. By this time, we gave up on cows. I hate, hate, hate them, and just had the horses and chickens. Someone knocked on the door at 2 a.m. I'd only been asleep two hours, but years of conditioning had my heart pumping and my mind clearing. Someone knocking that early meant trouble. It usually meant horses or livestock had gotten out. I wasn't disappointed. Our neighbor said the horses were in his yard my mind wasn't totally awake so i didn't think to ask which yard they were in my stepfather came out asked what was up and told me they were my horses so deal with it mom was working that was nothing new this lot of horses had three expert escape artists i had the routine down it was pretty dark out but i did have some moonlight to help the security light only went so far then of course it shut off after so long when it was cloudy you literally had to watch that you didn't walk off Into the ravine, it was so pitch. I was naturally in a foul mood, cursing my horses, and wondering if some drunk had gone through the fence. Again, it happened a lot. As I got closer to the brown barn, I realized a horse was flipping out. It was running back and forth, squealing and carrying on. I went in and grabbed the halters and leads. I paused for a moment to see if any other horse or horses had replied to the horse I heard squeal. That would give me an idea where the other horse or horses might be. There was no reply. That was odd. I was odd. I was thinking, crap, they're on the other side of the hill. It was the only reason in my mind they wouldn't be replying. Let's just say when they followed our cut trails to the other side, it took us an hour to traverse through the woods and lead them back. And even with two guys on a four-wheeler and my mom, that was a freaky treat. I felt like I was being watched and followed. Maybe it wasn't paranoia. So, the land is set up like this. The brown barn was connected to a small pasture, about half an acre long, which then connects to a seven acre pasture. Pretty much in the center, on the outside edge of the large pasture, was an old white barn. I decided to tackle the horse still in the fence so I could bring her down to the small pasture to keep her from escaping too. Maybe the others would follow. I had to walk clear to the other side of the pasture to get to the panicking horse it was my mother's psycho Appaloosa mare. I tried to catch her and nearly got trampled a few times Try, She was frothing at the mouth and her eye whites were really showing. Was I alarmed? No. As I said, psycho. I noticed my other six were across the road. They were standing in a tiny little fence. An area under a spotlight. They were standing motionless and not touching a blade of grass. I was wondering how the neighbor managed to herd them into that tiny fenced-in area with that tiny door. Three of those horses were over 16 hands tall. One was a draft horse cross. The doorway was actually small enough. He touched both sides going through. My thoroughbred mare took me two hours to corral the last time she got out. Much to my frustration, she was an awesome jumper. So a stranger rounding them up and putting them into a tiny yard was mind-blowing. I've had horses since I was 9. I'm 32 now. I've had ponies and horses. I've had Appaloosas, Arabians, Draft Horses, Quarter Horses, walking Horses, Walkin' Horses, Saddlebreds, Thoroughbreds, Mustangs, foals, Geldings, Mares, and Geldings that still thought they were stallions. I've had a lot of horses, from all walks of life. I will tell you, they consistently do not like to be crammed into tight spaces, especially not in a group. I had two severely abused horses. I was rehabbing a thoroughbred that actually had Pete's D and a racking horse that actually took me three years to touch without some sort of a bad reaction. They did not like being in stalls and all but one were mares. Maras are extremely moody and two of mine were particularly vicious to those they didn't like. My walker mare only liked three other horses. She should have been kicking the crap out of the others there. Mine also didn't like to be under lights. When they escaped, they avoided them like the plague. And not eating grass. That was over ankle deep. That was unheard of. They were silent and dead still. My neighbor came out and told me that they were like that when he found them. He asked me if I needed help, but I said no. My thoroughbred and racking horse mares did not like men. I told him I'd take them out, one at a time. I took one halter and lead and threw the rest outside the gate. I put the halter on my gelding and opened the gate to lead them out. They had other plans, though. All six came out as a freaking unit. They were literally chest-to-butt, crammed together. My gelding and my Welsh mare had their chest pushing against me as we walked back to the brown barn. Normally, they did not do this. I wouldn't usually allow such bad behavior. We were on the main road, which I did not like. The speed limit is only 35, but people go 60. So, I tried to lead them through the large pasture gate. They wouldn't even go on that side of the road though. I was a little unnerved by their behavior. So I lead them down to the brown barn and they went in. They were skittish though. Picking at the hay I threw out, walking around restlessly, sticking to the barn like glue and eyeing the upper pasture. I rationalize it by thinking, it's the appy flipping out. That's unnerving them. And why hadn't she come down yet? She had to have seen us all walk down. I rushed to the gate between the little and big pastures out of habit. I didn't want the herd to go back out into the big pasture. I didn't have to worry. They didn't follow me, like they usually did. The gate was wide open, but the appy was still running and squealing back and forth in the same area. I started to go get her. Now, the neighbor's security lights didn't really light up my pasture. The road was higher than my pasture, so it was cast in a shadow. I could make out her shape in some detail, though. She took off at a panicked gallop. "'swerved sideways and jumped the stream. "'When she landed, she nearly landed on her face. "'She caught herself, though, and took off "'at a dead gallop again. "'I ducked behind a stump. "'If she would have hit me, I would have been dead. "'I bent back and chained the gate. "'I decided to forego looking her over "'until I got the halters and leads. "'She was too hot at the moment. "'I decided to walk on the road "'instead of through the pasture again. "'The pasture was uneven, unlit, and full of springs.' Sometime during this, clouds had taken over the sky, so there was no moonlight to see by. The spot on the road, where I was at, was paved and pretty well lit. Though my neighbor was paranoid as mentioned, I had almost gotten to the white barn when I got this sudden urge to stop and look at a very specific spot in the pasture. I would like to say it was instinct that told me to look, but usually I'd scan the woods first to see what was watching me. That's usually where the watchers are. Instead, I just flicked on my flashlight right on a certain spot. It was extremely close to where the mare was flipping out. I saw red eyes shine. My first thought was, why in the world would a deer be there with all that chaos? I was feeling a sense of extreme dread and didn't know why. Besides, it being where my horse was going nuts told me something else just wasn't right. I then realized... Where the eyes were relative to the walnut trees and my racing barrels. (laughs) See, the road is above the pasture and the walnut trees were right at the same elevation. As the road, the pasture itself is sloped to deal with the runoff from the road. The barrel it was next to was on the low end of the incline. The barrels were white so I could see a dim lighting from my flashlight. On the one it was next to. This thing was too freaking big to be a deer. I was frozen, standing there, watching it. I just had this feeling it was evil and that I had to keep track of those eyes. It was watching me. It slowly blinked a few times. It also looked over into the woods above the pasture. I know you ask your guests if they ever feel there are other ones out there. Well, let me tell you, it crossed my mind. With a sinking stomach, I flashed my flashlight over the woods to see if I would catch eye shine. I didn't see any though. So I went right back to the eyes They were still there. I flicked back and forth, making sure nothing was sneaking up on me. I don't know how long I stood there watching Frozen. Someone could have come around the bend and hit me with their car. I was so focused. Finally, it started to move off. It glanced at me sideways a few times, only one eye. I think it went into the copse of trees around the creek. I heard nothing. That wasn't surprising though. The horses were still restless and making noises. I stood there a long time after looking for eyeshine. I was wondering if it could have been a bear. I didn't think so, though. The eyes were consistent in height until it disappeared. Bears are clumsy on their back legs. On this uneven, inclined ground, I have no doubt a bear would have dropped to the ground to go on all fours. Even the rear-up and drop-down behavior bears do when they're trying to see something wouldn't work. We had one cross our pasture before. He made a lot of noise going through the woods. The horses settled down quicker with the bear. I was almost to my neighbors at this point. I considered leaving the couple. Hundred dollars of tech at his house, halters and leads aren't cheap. I had no doubt if I left them there, they'd be gone in the morning. My mother would be pissed. So I darted over, grabbed them, and ran like a bat out of hell. I know, I know, I know. I should have left the tack. I also know you're not supposed to run, but I couldn't even conceive what I had just seen. I got into the barn, threw the tack down and hung with the horses. I wasn't going to go back up that pitch black driveway on foot. I figured, with the horses, I'd have a warning and the barn had plenty of sharp things. I didn't go back up until dawn. I was frozen stiff by that time. I've had years to think this over. It unnerves the crap out of me. How long was that thing there? Was that what was keeping the opie mare from coming down? Was it right there? In the shadows? While I was trying to catch her? Or was it in the unlit barn? I walked through to get to the road. Was it the reason the appy swerved and nearly fell? How did my horses get out? I never did find how they got out. Did they panic and jump the fence? I did check the fence line away from the woods. I did look for tracks around the barrel. Sadly, the ground was hard from frost that morning. But I I will say the appy mare was run for a good while. The ground was severely torn up and turned into a muddy mess. It was high noon when I went down there to check and the ground had melted. I'll bet it was her that woke the neighbor up. It took them about a week to fully settle. I don't know if whatever it was was still in the area or if they were that traumatized. It wasn't too long after that my mother filed for divorce. My ex-stepfather got the farm and I moved in with her in the city. Even with all the weird crap going on there. There were non-bipedal things going on too. I miss it terribly. Maybe it's more accurate to say, I miss the farm life rather than the actual place. I'd love to get back onto a farm again, but I'd probably hesitate to move back there. I never told anyone about the eye Shine event. I didn't see the actual creature, and, and really, how do you convey that unnatural or horror-inducing feeling? You saw eye Shine, whoop-dee-doo. My mother would have given me the benefit of the doubt, but my mother often told family members things, They made my life enough of a living hell. I didn't want to give it.